well, he's ready to go home. <laughs> After that, hey, you don't want me. I mean, that's, that's good stuff. Thank you all so much. I want to welcome you out today to Community Heights Church. I want to welcome our audience online. Uh, if you're at home or traveling, thank you for joining us today. We are continuing in this series in Daniel, uh, looking through the Old Testament book of Daniel. I just love this book. I just love um, what God is telling us through this real story, this real book. Um, when you look at it, you look at God's people, um, chosen specifically by God, loved by God, going through a difficult time, a difficult season. And, uh, you know, we're going through uh, one of those difficult seasons now. But uh, we looked at the people of God were taken out of Judah and taken into captivity to Babylon. And we're not talking about just a few people. We're talking about thousands and thousands and thousands of people. And we're not talking about, you know, six months, seven months, nine months, a year. We're talking about 70 years. And... Um, you know, so it was a long time, difficult, difficult, long season for the people of God. And what's the key theme in all of this is it's God is sovereign. It's, it's that God is in control. It's when things look dire, when things look out of control, when things look like they're going downhill, God is still in control. And God is not surprised by anything. God is not knocked off balance. God is not taken by surprise. He is sovereign. And so last week, we looked at uh, this dream that Nebuchadnezzar had, right? Remember that? Uh, Nebuchadnezzar was given this dream, and it really, really troubled him. He couldn't sleep, and he just he wanted to know what the dream meant. And so he asked all of the people around him, all of his professionals, the astrologers and uh, the magicians and the sorcerers and enchanters and all the wise men, he said, I want to know what, there's, what my dream was. And I want to know what it means, right? Remember that? And he said, if you don't tell me what my dream was and what it means, I'm going to cut you into pieces. <laughs> and uh, nobody could do it. They said it's impossible. It's, it can't happen. And last week we learned that nothing's impossible for God and that when we are not able, God is more than able. And so God revealed the impossible dream to Daniel, and that's sort of where we left off last week. And so we're going to look at, um, that dream specifically today. But I want to share a story with you about a guy who was troubled by dreams too. Um, you know, he kept having this dream over and over again, and it really bothered him. He couldn't sleep and started affecting his life and his work. And uh, so he went to see uh, a doctor about it, and he said, you know, Doc, I keep having these dreams over and over again of me wrestling donkeys. And he said, it's really, really bothering me. You know, we do we do that in pound. Wrestle donkeys and fight chickens. I mean anyway. So he's having this <laughs> he's he's having this dream that he's wrestling donkeys. And um the doctor gives him some medication. He said, You take this and you'll start having these dreams. And so the guy's like, All right, can I wait till Thursday to to take it? He said, Well, yeah, you can wait. And he was wondering why. And the guy said, Because I'm in the championship tomorrow night. All right, moving on. Let's talk about Nebuchadnezzar's dream. Um, 
this dream, look, it's so important. This is such a big dream. It's such a wild dream, but it's so, so very important because this dream it was given to Nebuchadnezzar by God. I think that's interesting that God gave this wicked king a vision. And, um, you know, as we look through it, you know, it's not just a vision or a dream for, for Nebuchadnezzar, but it was for Daniel. It was for the people of God. It was for the whole world. And listen, that dream given to Nebuchadnezzar thousands of years ago is for you and me today. So what was the dream? What did it mean? And what does it mean to us? That's what we're going to look at. I want to invite you to look at some scripture with me in Daniel chapter 2. We'll begin in verse 31. And here Daniel, remember, he's, he starts to tell the dream to Nebuchadnezzar. And so this is Daniel. Your majesty looked, and there before you stood a large statue, an enormous, dazzling statue, awesome in appearance. The head of the statue was made of pure gold, its chest and arms of silver, its belly and thighs of bronze, its legs of iron, its feet partly of iron and partly of baked clay. So this is sort of the beginning of the dream here. Um, Nebuchadnezzar sees this huge statue, and notice the adjectives that are used, this enormous, dazzling, awesome statue, and as he's describing it, you know, it's got four different sections. All of these are precious metals, precious stones, things of the earth that are precious and valuable to man. And at the top is gold, and then followed by silver. And then as you work your way down, you go to bronze, and then you get into a mixture of iron and, and clay. And that's what this statue is, is made of. And so this dream continues, and this is a long section of Scripture here, but I don't want to lose you. Um, this is the most important part of the dream right here, what we're about to read. So let's just focus in for just a minute. Verse 34, while you were watching, a rock was cut out, but not by human hands. It struck the statue on its feet of iron and clay and smashed them. Then the iron, the clay, the bronze, the silver, and the gold were all broken to pieces and became like chaff on a threshing floor in the summer. The wind swept them away without leaving a trace. But notice this. But the rock that struck the statue became a huge mountain and filled the whole earth. So there's this huge, magnificent statue made of all, out of all these priceless materials, these special materials. And then there's this rock that just sort of seems to appear out of, out of nowhere. And, and it struck the feet of the iron and clay and and smashing them and then because that's what the statue was built upon what it was standing on the whole thing just sort of toppled and and crumbled and while this dazzling awesome statue began to turn to dust and just you know blow away the rock stayed it didn't just stay the rock grew and grew and, and became a mountain. And, and then it, be, it, it became so big that it filled the whole earth. And so all these, all these other things are just blowing away in this rock. This rock is just is growing enormous to the point where it, it fills the entire world. So that's the dream. <laughs> Crazy, right? Um, but remember, from last week, what did the king also want? He wanted the dream, yes, but what does it mean, you know? 
So there's the second part of this. Daniel's got another step to take. He's got to interpret this dream for the king and tell him what it means. And I'm just going to paraphrase, summarize this for you. You can read it there in, in Scripture. But um, Daniel told Nebuchadnezzar that, that King Nebuchadnezzar, you are the top of the statue. You are the gold. You are the head. You and your kingdom of Babylon are the head. And then he said, your, your kingdom will be followed by three other kingdoms. Now, while Daniel was specific in the first kingdom, he's not in the others. He doesn't, he doesn't name them. So we can't say uh, with 100% confidence that we know who they are, but we kind of do. Um, you see, most, just about every theologian, every scholar agree uh, on these. They believe that the chest and arms made of silver were uh, part of the Persian Empire. And the reason they can say that with confidence is because they were the next power, and Daniel saw it. Actually, Daniel was in Babylon when Persia took over, right? He, he was freed under a Persian king. And so we can say with pretty much confidence that the kingdom after um, Babylon was Persia because it actually happened in Daniel's lifetime, and it happened in our history, so we know that to be true. Now, the next kingdom, the silver kingdom, uh, was, was Greece, right? That was the next world superpower. If you're a history buff, you know all about this stuff. Uh, Alexander the Great and all those uh, famous warrior leaders of, of Greece, they were the next big kingdom. And then what's at the bottom? Rome. Rome. When we, when we look at that, it's really not hard to link iron and clay to Rome because nobody used those two elements as much as Rome did. Nobody took iron and clay and, and built an empire around those two elements like, like Rome did. They, they perfected all of, of that. And you know, <laughs> all those great kingdoms fell. They fell. They were destroyed. They were shattered by something in this dream. And Daniel mentioned this rock, and he specifically says this, a rock that was not cut out with human hands. In other words, it takes human hands to make a statue. You know, this rock was not made with human hands. It was not cut out with, with human hands. And not only did the rock smash the other kingdoms, but the rock, like we said, began to grow and to fill the entire earth. And so what Daniel was saying here in a nutshell is all these great kingdoms are going to come and then they're going to be destroyed and there's going to be another kingdom that is far superior than any other earthly kingdom. Look at verse 44. In the time of those kings... In other words, in, in the time that those kingdoms are in place, and this, this actually takes place, the God of heaven will set up a kingdom that will never be destroyed, nor will it be left to another people. It will crush all those kingdoms and bring them to an end, but it will itself endure forever. Now, I just got to tell you this. Um, the, the kingdom that Daniel is referring to, is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It's the kingdom of Jesus Christ. It, it, it is, and this is what really gets me excited, and this is what brings me assurance about our faith, is that the Bible contains a scarlet thread all the way through it. And, and 
it points to Jesus Christ, beginning to end. The Bible is all about Jesus. And even though Daniel doesn't specifically mention his name, he's pointing to his kingdom. This is the kingdom of Jesus Christ. And I want you to understand something here. The whole vision, the whole dream was not about the statue at all. It was about the rock, right? It wasn't about the awesomeness or the brilliance of the, or the appearance of the statue. It was about the superiority and the power and significance of the rock. Let me show you this, verse 45. This is the meaning of the vision of the rock cut out of a mountain, but, but not by human hands. A rock that broke the iron, the bronze, the clay, the silver, and the gold to pieces. And then notice this. The great God has shown the king what will take place. You see, this vision, this dream of Nebuchadnezzar's was given by God. The dream is true. And its interpretation is trustworthy. And when a prophet writes that in the Old Testament, that is the strongest assurance of saying, look, this is going to happen. No matter what you do, no matter what you do to try to stop it, you can't. It's true. It's trustworthy. It, it, will, it will happen. And you know what? It did. It did come to pass when... Jesus came, right? I mean, he came to this world miraculously, you know, through the virgin birth. When he, when he came to this world and he lived, and when he died, whose who's rule did he die under? Rome? You know, when he was being nailed to the cross with iron spikes, you know, when, when they were nailing iron through his feet, the feet of this great statue, back, all the way back in Daniel, made of iron and clay, it began to crumble, you see. It did come to pass. And then when Jesus died and rose to life, that's when this new kingdom started. No, You see, no other king, no other king has done that. This kingdom is far superior than any other because no other king has been able to do that. All these great kingdoms and all these great kings are still dust. They're dust. And look, I know it's hard to see, and I know it's hard to understand, and I'm right there with you, but we are living in this kingdom today. The king is on his throne today. Jesus is alive. He is on his throne. We are in, the, in his kingdom and there will be a future kingdom that will look far different than the kingdom we're in right now, but it's all the same kingdom because it has the same king. It's Jesus. And this kingdom will endure forever. So i got a question for you. Um, what kingdom are you in? What kingdom are you in? You see, it's really a, this is probably the most important question you'll ever face. What kingdom are you in? It's, it's either the kingdom of Jesus or not the kingdom of Jesus. I don't know what that kingdom's called. The kingdom of the world. Okay? You're either in the kingdom of Jesus Christ or, or you're not. And in the end, look, there's only going to be one kingdom standing. And guess, guess which one it is? It's the kingdom of, of Christ. It's not the kingdom of the elephant. 
or the donkey. I don't know why I'm talking about donkeys today. It's the kingdom of the Lamb, right? That's going to be the only kingdom left standing. And I don't know why I'm proclaiming this today. I feel like God wants me to. Are you in that kingdom? Are you in that kingdom? Don't the one that's the only one that matters. The only one that's going to be here a thousand, a million years from now. Are you in that? If not, you can choose to be. And I think that's interesting too. You see, Nebuchadnezzar didn't give anybody else a choice. He went in and said, Oh, you're coming to my kingdom. I'm gonna I'm gonna take you. <laughs> you don't have a choice. Our God gives us choice our king says you can come to me if you want you know jesus the message of jesus when he started his ministry is pretty neat if you look at john the baptist and he's the forerunner he's the announcer of the king that was his that's why he was born that's exactly why he was born if you read his story was to announce the king but if you look at John the Baptist's message, it's this. Repent and believe the kingdom of heaven is at hand. He said that over and over again. And you know when, when the king actually came, when Jesus actually came, he started saying the same thing. Repent and believe for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. The king said that. And you know that message hasn't, hasn't changed in 2,000 years? It's still the same message. Repent and believe kingdom of heaven is at hand repent means you you actually come to a realization where you're like oh man i need to change it's not just in your head it's in your heart and you really feel the 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 weight of what you're doing and you and you say there's got to be something different out there and it's god and and you know you take notice that and you begin to not only gaze at god but you can begin to walk towards god you begin to go in his direction, so you repent, and then you believe. In other words, you, you place your faith in the work of Jesus Christ, the perfect work of Jesus Christ, the perfect life of Jesus Christ. His life and his work on the cross and his resurrection from the dead is what gives you forgiveness, grace, freedom, and eternal life with God the Father. You believe that. Repent and believe. Let me show you this in 1 Peter 2.6. I love, I love the way this connects with Daniel. For it stands in Scripture, Behold, I'm laying in Zion a stone. A stone. Not just any stone, though. A cornerstone. Chosen and precious. And I know this is referring to Christ here. And whoever believes in him will not be put to shame. So the honor, in other words, the benefit, the favor, is for you who believe. You see, that message hasn't changed. You repent, you believe in Christ. But notice the transition here. But, but if you do not believe, you see, there's the choice. If you, if you don't believe, the, the stone that the builders rejected has become the cornerstone. You know, um, when builders were building a home or building whatever, they... They got to choose the stones. I'll take this one. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. I'll take that one. That one looks good. That one looks good. You know what? You have a choice. And what this is saying here is be careful. Be careful. 
don't complete the house without choosing the cornerstone. If you if you choose the cornerstone, your house will be strong. You won't be put to shame. It'll be good. But yet, if you if you don't choose the cornerstone, your house will crumble. That's what that means. And and look, if you choose Christ as your cornerstone, you're good. You won't be put to shame. You'll be strong. You'll be in the only kingdom that matters. But if you reject the cornerstone, you will crumble. You will crumble. It won't last. Are you in that kingdom? Romans 10.9 tells us this, that if you declare or confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord, and what Lord means is king. If, if you confess with your mouth Jesus is king, you might say, well, that's easy. Uh, anybody can say that, but there's more to it. And believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. You will be saved. So that's what you do. You confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord. In other words, you make a declaration that this is my king, Jesus is my king, and you believe in your heart what he did for you on the cross and he, uh, he was raised from the dead to give you new life, you will be saved. You might say, saved from what? Here's where we correlate this, all right? You look at all those kingdoms in that statue, what do they turn to? Dust. They're destroyed. Gone. If you're not in the kingdom of Christ, that's what happens if you're in any other kingdom. Destroyed. It won't, crumbles. Won't last. But if you're in the eternal kingdom, you see, by default, since you have the eternal king, you live forever. You live forever. Whose kingdom are you in? I want to close with this question here, too. And I'll spend maybe five, ten more minutes. If, if you are a believer, if you are a believer in the King Jesus, whose kingdom are you building? Whose kingdom are you building? You know, people like to talk, don't they? <laughs> like to appear to be Christian. And, um, you know, we can say we are in the kingdom of Christ all we want, but in reality, whose kingdom are we focused on? Building. And sadly, most, most of the time, it's our own. It, it, it is our own kingdom. So many times, instead of praying, God, thy kingdom come, we're saying my kingdom come. We are. We are. You know, that statue in the dream, man, that thing was so amazing, so awesome, so dazzling. I bet it sparkled for miles and miles and miles, and you could just see it. It was awesome in appearance, but you know what? It turned to dust. It turned to dust. And you know, for us, building our own kingdom looks awesome. It looks amazing. Man, it's, it will get you excited. You will start thinking about it. This is going to be great. I can't wait for this to happen. You spend your life building your kingdom, and at the end of your life, you're going to know, you're going to realize, was it worth it? Just be dust. Just be dust. My life early on, and I became a Christian early on, 
Um, but as I grew older, I, so, I focused on my kingdom. Honestly, I did. It, it became all about me. I still was a Christian, still went to church, still worshiped, still prayed. But, man, I was focused on me. I was on the throne of my life. I was so wrapped up into football. It's, it's, that, that's all it was for me. I was so wrapped up into pleasure. That's all it was for me. And you know what? When football and, and my type of life, what I wanted for my life, the direction I wanted for my life, when that didn't work out, I felt terrible. I felt like I lost my purpose. I felt like I, my life was over. How terrible is that as a Christian? And it's all because I was building my own kingdom. That's what I was focused on. You know, young people, and I just got to tell you, don't focus on building your own life. It's okay to have dreams and goals out there, but make sure that God is, is primary in, in your life. You know, we hear this a lot in our country, the American dream, about how, you know, here, this is the magical place. Something magical about this place. You can come here and you can do what you want and you can, you can build your own empire and you can be successful. You know, you know God wants us to forget about that. Forget the American dream. And focus on kingdom dreams. Focus on his dreams for us. Dreams that God gives to you. You might say, dreams? Zach, you're about to get weird on me. Yes, I am. <laughs> you see, this, this was difficult for me because I'm not really a, like a, you know, superstitious type of religious person, you know, super spiritual, dreams and visions and all that. But see, there's a problem with that because the Bible talks about it. See, does God gives us, give us dreams? Yeah. Does God give us visions? Yes. What vision do you have from the Lord? Let me explain this to where it, it makes sense, because here's where it made sense to me. What vision do you have from the Lord to further his kingdom? Let me rephrase it. Let me, let me phrase it differently. What burden do you have in your heart? Think that's a coincidence? What burden has God placed deep down inside you that you're passionate about, that you look out there and that needs to change? That needs to change. I wish this was better. Do you think that's a coincidence? Maybe it's poverty. You look out there and poverty breaks your heart. People sleeping on the streets, kids not eating. It breaks all of our hearts. But have you noticed that there's people that are just so passionate about it? Maybe it's drug addiction. You know, maybe you look out and you see orphans and it just, it breaks your heart to the point that you do something about it. It breaks all our hearts, but you see there's people that are more passionate about it because they have a vision. They have a dream. Human trafficking. Did you know that's a real problem in our area? You know there's people that's given their life over to stop it, to fight it? What about mental health or health care? You know there's people that are more passionate about health care than you and I are, maybe? It's because they have a dream. 
to make people's lives better. Maybe it's education. Maybe you like I, I just I I want to educate kids so much because there's hope and there's there's future and there's blessing in providing somebody an education. And I want to do that. I want to help somebody to learn. That's a dream, a vision from God. Well, what about racial equality? That's big on the news and headlines today. You know, when I was thinking about this dream and all this stuff, I, I went back to Martin Luther King Jr.'s I Have a Dream speech. And you know what I believe? I believe he really had a dream. <laughs> I don't think he was kidding. I think he had a God-given dream of racial equality. And, man, it's just a, such a terrible time that we went through, that they went through, that 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 many, many, many Christians set back and allowed to happen. And I, I truly believe that God granted him a dream because, look, in the kingdom of Christ, there is not slave or free, there's not Jew or Greek, there's not male or female. It's all one under Christ. You see, that's his kingdom. And, and God gave him that dream to do something about it. And man, did he. You know what? Kingdom dream has God given you? You see, we're sort of in this in-between. We're, we're here in a sinful world, but then there's this perfect, holy, powerful, eternal kingdom that is coming, and pretty soon they're gonna, <laughs> the two are going to meet. But until then, God wants us to bring his kingdom into this world. What kingdom dream has God given you? You know, every Christian won't have this supernatural vision in their sleep but listen every christian should have a supernatural dream in their heart to make a difference for his kingdom you know we're here for a purpose and it's to build god's kingdom and you and i are a part of it all right i want to close out with this here you might say look it sounds like i'm sacrificing so much i'm giving up my dreams and my hopes for god right let me just tell you yes you are we don't need to make christianity seem like there's just this is so easy you just speak a few words and you're in this kingdom um you know that's what it means to call jesus your lord you're 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 yielding your all to jesus i surrender we sing it but do we mean it we're surrendering our life to the lord but listen the kingdom of God is so much better than the kingdom of anything we can make, including our own kingdom. And listen, when we build his kingdom, not only do we honor the king and bring him glory, but the king honors us. Look at verse 46, Daniel 2. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell prostrate before Daniel and paid him honor and ordered that an offering and incense be presented to him. And he, he, he goes on here, verse 47, The king said to Daniel, Surely your God is the God of gods and the Lord of lords and the revealer of mysteries, for you were able to reveal this mystery. What, what a turnaround here. What a turnaround. And did you notice that, that Nebuchadnezzar started to notice God? You know, he was impressed by Daniel, but do you actually see here that he starts to notice that, wow, your God is superior. 
Your God is far superior than any of our gods. And so look, when we focus on building His kingdom, things start happening. People start noticing. When you're focused on God and not your yourself, people start noticing that there is a God. And then He starts blessing you. You will be blessed by that. Look at verse 48. Then the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. Whoa, what a change for this guy. What a change for Daniel. And man, you might be saying, well, that sounds great. I'll take that. You know, I start building God's kingdom and I want to get lavished. I want to get all these great gifts, and man, I'm going to rise to the top. You know, there's pre- preachers and churches that say that stuff. And, and, and you know, it's not beyond God's ability to do that either. He can. And I'm not saying, here's, here's what I'm not saying, that if we build God's kingdom, we're going to get lavished like Daniel was. No. But here's what I will say. If you honor the king by building his kingdom he will honor you in ways that you've never imagined he will he will bless your life so much um jesus the true king himself also said this i want to close with this verse matthew six thirty three. but seek first the kingdom of god and his righteousness and All these things shall be added to you. The king said that. If you seek first the kingdom, and all these things shall, not might, not possibly, not we'll see how things go, all these things shall be added unto you. You know, in Matthew 6, in that context, many people were worried. He was talking to a large group of people. And I think a lot of people, a lot of us are worried today, have a lot of questions, a lot of doubts, a lot of uncertainty. And in this context, Jesus said, look, look at the lilies. Look at the splendor. If God takes care of them, he'll take care of you. Here's the thing. Seek his kingdom first, and all these things shall be added unto you. Are you seeking his kingdom first are you building his kingdom or yours maybe that's what you need to hear today maybe it's just the thought of well zach in reality i have been focused on me way too much and maybe today i just need to start giving god the prominence in my life that he deserves because he is king maybe that's you or maybe today you realize, hey, I'm in the kingdom that crumbles. I'm in the wrong kingdom. Hey, the invitation's open. It's been open since Jesus gave it. Repent and believe in him. and You'll be saved. He will place you in his kingdom. And thankfully, thank God, his kingdom endures forever. Amen? Let's pray. Father, 
I pray for those people that don't know you, that are not in your kingdom, that have not placed their faith in you, that have up to this point rejected the cornerstone. I pray that today, if there's anybody listening to my voice that doesn't know you, that hasn't made that decision, that hasn't made that choice, I pray that they would choose you today, that they would acknowledge that you love them and that you are real and that they need you. Father, that they may realize that you you sent your son to die on a cross for them, for their sin, and that, that Jesus didn't stay dead, but he rose from the grave. He was brought back to life in order that our old lives could be gone, done away with, and we can have a new life, an eternal life, a righteous life. And it's all through Jesus. I pray that today they would give their life to you. I pray that for those of us that are Christians, (laughs) that we will wake up, that we would just realize that this place is fading that we are here for a reason and that reason is to build your kingdom not ours help us to wake up and, and realize that whatever we turn our attention towards and whatever we invest in in this world will we'll just eventually fade It'll eventually crumble. It won't be here. It won't last. But the things that will are things that involve you and your plan for our lives. Help us to to make that our focus, and you promise that you will add things to our life, that you will be involved in our life, and you will bless us, and you will take care of us. And, Father, help us to realize that that is so much better than any kingdom that we can build on our own. I pray that we would yield our lives to you, surrender again to you, and that you would use us for your glory. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.